do we have to do do we have to do an intro, Danny? Do we say, hey, we're Yes. Do you wanna do you wanna kick start, Kate? No, I think you you do such a good job of it. Gosh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, it pleases me to say this morning we're here with one of the co-founders of Ultraviolet, the lovely Ava. Hi, Ava. Hello. Hi, Ava. Hi. Pleases me to be here too. Oh, I'm glad. Um, hey, do you want to <laughs> tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. So we, Beck and I launched Ultraviolet uh, in two, January 2019 and we launched uh, onto a door in April of 2019. But prior to that, I've been in beauty for a long time. So, um, you know, I spent many years working at beauty, other beauty retailers and working for other brands. And and then Beck and I, we met working at Mecca and um, we realised there was a bit of a, an opportunity for Sun. Uh, there was nothing that was, you know, really, um, I guess, kind of, uh, t- there was nothing that kind of, you know, catered for all the needs that we had, particularly as women in terms of, you know, wearing lots of other skincare products or lots of other makeup products and, and nothing that kind of felt really nice or was a really nice experience. And, and for a product that's, you know, the number one anti-aging product in, in your routine and such an important part of, of overall skin health, um, there wasn't anyone really taking it I don't want to say seriously because people were taking it seriously and it, and all the messaging was either about cancer or holidays. Yeah. But, it was um, serious. It wasn't fun. Though, yeah, was it? it wasn't fun. <laughs> and no one was taking it seriously, I guess, as a skincare category or subcategory. Mm. Um, and we recognised that there was space for that. So, yeah, here we are two, two and a half years later. I can't believe it's only been two and a half years. I was going to say exactly the same thing. It feels longer because I know there's been, you know, quite a lot. Mm. I don't want to use that word. It's so corny to use journey. But, like, I know there's (laughs) been a lot that's been that's gone into (laughs) building ultraviolet and sustaining it and seeing it grow from strength to strength, which is really cool. I remember sitting in a cafe with you and Beck in Collingwood in January talking about what it would look like to partner and it's really cool to sit here like almost three years later and talk about yeah. how great that has been. So before you guys actually decided to launch, how did it, how did that ideation, you know, you obviously saw a bit of a gap. Um, you were working with Beck at the time. How did you kind of make that commitment to go all in and try, like, how did that come about? I asked, I asked Kate the similar question last week. I was like, you know, you're chatting to James and then you needed some money and how did you go about borrowing that money? What did you do? But with you and with you and Beck, Ava, I, you know, obviously formed a friendship um, when you were working yeah. um, in your previous re- employer. How did you, how did yeah. you take it from there? So I think like Beck was obviously at a different life stage to me. I kind of, you know, was in my early thirties and Beck had two kids and, you know, I think she just bought a house and so there were, you know, we definitely were at different life stages where I had really had like nothing to lose and, you know, everything to gain. She had a lot to lose. I was single, um, you know, living in an apartment with a friend in South Yarra and still working. So I think it kind of took her a little bit longer to come around to the idea because she doesn't, she's never going to like half-heartedly commit to something or kind of say, yeah, yeah, let's do this and then turn around in six months and go, actually, nah. So I think she took a little bit longer to kind of, come around because I think she considers everything and she's a very considered person. And obviously, as I mentioned, had, a, you know, more like more factors involved to, to consider than I did. Um, but we did spend a lot of time at Beck's house on the weekends working on what ultraviolet could be. Like I would say, you know, we probably had at least 
six to eight really solid sessions and they might go for three hours on a Sunday at Beck's house where we you know, had the whiteboard up and doing PowerPoint presentations and looking at numbers and, you know, looking at people we could be using to talk about the brand and thinking about what actual product we would be um, launching. And so I think during that six-month period, and I think that was a time for both of us, it was probably a time for me and Beck obviously knows knew me. Um, we'd worked together for like two and a half years at that point. And she knows that I can get really excited and then like, you know, cool off ideas. And is that initial kind of like go? And then I go, mm, yeah, maybe no. Whereas it was kind of the opposite for Beck. So I think we were kind of, kind of both, I was kind of coming down and she was kind of probably coming up and we were meeting in the middle. Um, and that's what that six month, six months was for, was to see whether we really thought it was viable, whether there was something in it. And whether we both wanted to commit financially, time-wise, and and kind of were ready to eventually at some point take the jump from full-time work to, you know, doing our own thing. So that was that, was that six-month process that we took to get there. And I think it was really, was really important because it really helped us, um, I guess, navigate any potential, you know, um, issues. Like at that time, we actually had a third person in the business and there was a bit of, there was an issue that came up with um, salaries and Beck and I were saying, you know, we understand we're probably not going to be able to pay ourselves for a period of time. Whereas this other person was saying, well, no, I need to, I need to get a salary from this business from, from Go. And Beck and I were kind of like, okay, so we've got to factor in, you know, maybe even if we pay ourselves a really low salary, we've got to factor in another $200,000 because this third person wants a salary. And it's just more, like when you don't have any money and no business idea to add $200,000 to already, like it's a lot of money to, to think about. So um, like even those big conversations that we were having at that point to understand where mentally we were kind of all at um, was a really good kind of learning before starting, jumping into start a business. And so we do, you know, I sometimes look at that deck that we did, which was like 48 pages <laughs> in the end and think, you know, actually we've done like the stuff that we said we were going to do, we've pretty much done. I think the process of putting something on paper actually mm. really helps everyone involved because you're kind of putting something out there in a way, um, even though I forgot most of the stuff we put on paper. But to go back and see, I'm like, we actually did that. Like, that's crazy to me that we've done all of these things. So it that's was amazing. a really good process. So, I mean, what, I, what I've seen with most founding teams or founding partnerships is that the reason that they work is the dynamic of what each founder is kind of bringing to the table. How does that work with you and Beck? What do you each bring? Oh, gosh. Um, I think... Beck and I are alike in some ways and really opposite in others. So I think Beck brings, you know, Beck is incredible. I think she's an incredible leader and um, she's really good on the people side, whereas I'm, I'm, I'm not as much and I'm the first to say I hate managing people. Um, sorry to any of my team that are listening to this. It won't be, it won't be forever. It's not personal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not personal. Um, whereas Beck's a really amazing manager and leader. She's also, she's a genius. Like she's so smart. And I think she's really practical, whereas I can be really emotional about things. And sometimes you do, do need the emotion and other times you need a bit more of a detached view. And I think the thing with Beck and I is that we care deeply about different things Things that make me really pissed off might not make her as pissed off. So we'll have that kind of, I'll have that clarity from her or that perspective. And I'm a lot more emotional. 
So there will be situations where I can't be trusted to have a conversation with someone because okay. <laughs> it could be it's good that you know that. Though. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think we're, we're kind of really good and we've obviously worked together for a considerable amount of time um, prior to this. Uh, so we had a good dynamic before mm. we came on board. But I, I, and I don't think she would have said yes to it, you know, because you're putting a lot of faith in someone when you're, you know, agreeing to work with, with them, in, you know, to run a business. And I don't it's think... It's a bit like getting married, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, really, you kind yeah. of got to know what you're in for. Well, it's a com- yeah. yeah, a real commitment. <laughs> and then you've got to kind of pledge to work through the unknowns as they present. Yeah. Um, so I don't think she would have said yes if she didn't think that this had legs and and we have always yeah. talked you know if we need to get couples therapy for business I think there are. <laughs> we we, li- we listened to a podcast um I think it was the founders of soul cycle the original founders and they talked about getting a business like it was kind of like a couple therapy for business kind of coaching and we always said look if we if we ever need to do this like we're both open to it we mm-hmm. kind of need to yeah. preserve and I think we both agree on the, you know, I think we have generally, there might, there'll be disagreements, obviously, there always is, but I think the big things we, we generally tend to agree on. And if it, if we don't initially, someone will care more than the other and the person okay. that cares more yeah. than the other will generally get their way. Yeah. No, I like I lo- that. Yeah, that's a good formula, a nice approach. So it's just about really not, not so much avoiding conflict, but how do you deal with it when it happens? And, yeah. And, yeah. Because it will happen. It does yeah. happen, yeah. you know. At what point... Um, throughout it did you have this like wow this is really happening like this is working or like all of that hard work we've put in like we can really see it come to fruition has that happened for you guys yet or are you just kind of continuing to look forward I think there are like little like glimmers of that happening but I don't think I've ever and I probably don't think I ever will maybe when I sell it when we sell it but uh, I don't think um yeah, I sometimes see, think like, wow, like when we launch into a door and there's like kind of milestone moments, I guess. They're exciting and, and we think, wow, this is great. And then when you see or you bump into someone or you meet a friend's friend or something and someone that you're not really connected to and they know the brand or they're like, oh, yeah, I've seen that or my, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or those little things are always like really exciting because it kind of proves that it exists beyond like your little bubble. Um, but I don't think... I'm ever going to have that big kind of, wow, we've made it, you know, moment. I don't think I'll ever think that. Um, It's just not really my nature. I've noticed that actually. I mean, I notice it about myself and I notice it about a lot of entrepreneurs Mm. and it's this mindset where you're always charging headlong towards the horizon, Mm. which, of course, continues to look as far away as it ever did. Uh, And... (laughs) The thing that you probably don't do, I'm terrible at it, uh, is actually just sort of stopping for a second and turning around and seeing, oh, actually, I've really come quite far. Yeah, you just keep going because there's always there's always another there's always another horizon. There's something else, you know. You get over one launch and you've got three others in the pipeline, and you've got to get those done. Or you launch into one retailer and then you've got, okay, well, I've done I've done that market. So what other mm. markets are we not exploring? Like where else can we go? Like it doesn't. I don't think it ever feels done. And I think the other thing is, you know, in the back of my mind, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that I'm constantly thinking, you know, this could fail tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This could all go away. So what's what's been the scariest moment for you in the business so far? Um, probably the grains. <laughs> 
brain to the fucking queen screen. (laughs) You know, Beck and I had, um, we had a formula that that people love, um, but there was some ingredients in there that, you know, when you put things, formulas on stability for a, you know, you only generally put formulas on stability for six to nine months um, because generally you know by then if something's going to fall apart. And um, there were two ingredients in the formula that just kind of bound together, that kind of mm. mag- like, like little magnets, and they caused these little grains that didn't impact the efficacy of the formula but just weren't, wasn't a premium kind of experience, I guess, and wasn't up to par. And, and it was something that only came out, you know, about nine months after launching. Um and no one could understand, none of our chemists, no labs, no one could understand what, what it was. And Beck and I had a kind of conversation there because it it's our bestseller and we were like, okay. Because we were freaking out. We had no idea really. Like it was kind of the end of the world, even though we only had one retailer to us at the time, even though we only had one retailer plus seller, it was only you guys and yeah. us. Yeah. So it wasn't <laughs> like we were figuring out how to recall stock from, you know, all over mm. the globe. But, it, you know, we had a conversation and Beck was like, okay, well... Worst case scenario, we need to sell the business. We've got, you know, formulations that are good. We've got a good brand. We've got good branding. You know, we could probably sell it. We could probably sell it for, you know, a million or two. So worst case scenario, we're going to be working, walking away with like maybe half a million dollars and no brand. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty <laughs> But Yeah, okay. That's where, <laughs> but I guess, but I guess the worst case scenarios, it's not that bad. So, and that's what I mean when I say yep. like Bex yeah. is really good. Nobody dies. No, nobody dies. We don't lose our house. We don't lose <laughs> yeah. our houses or like we don't lose, you know. But that to me is was really scary because it was there were a lot of unknowns. It was, you know, if you don't have a good product, you don't have anything. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many brands out there that kind of launch on, you know, influencer marketing and packaging that looks okay, but the product is crap and, um, you know, you're not, you don't. You can't build a brand. That. Well, there's no sustainability around that, right? Yeah. No. You, know, you have to start with the integrity. Uh, look, it's wild to me because I think I was probably the first. I was the person that sent you the email about it to say, "Hey, we've you know we've had some customers who have said, yeah, there's some yeah some product um, that doesn't look quite right to what they're used to experiencing." And for me to kind of look at it from the other lens and go, "You guys were having conversations at the time about." whether or not this was going to be the thing that, you know, worst case made you sell the business and move on. Like, that's crazy. It was nine months yeah. in, like the pressure. Yeah. Wow. yeah, it was really scary. And that's where I'm, that's when I say like, I couldn't have had a conversation with the with the manufacturer of that product. That's where I couldn't have been trusted to have a, manufa- it was a conversation with, without mm. being too emotional and crying mm. and yeah. or yelling. Whereas yeah. that, so that's where Beck, whereas yeah. that's where I sit at a board table, like silently, like staring, like giving death yeah. stares and Beck, and Beck can have a conversation or as I sit swinging my legs like a petulant child at the other end. Um, like biting, <laughs> biting your lips so that you don't say anything. <laughs> yeah. Sitting on my hands. Um, so yeah. yeah, it was not a great time. And how did you deal with it? How did you, how did you fix it? Um, we went through so many different like chemists, labs, you know, working with our manufacturer to try and figure out what the root of the issue was, because that's what they couldn't understand. Um, and then we found out after doing a lot of testing, we found out it was just two ingredients. So we removed that ingredient, which, uh, seemed to help considerably, but there's also some, because it is so viscous, like, because it's like a runny formulation and not many people, like there are not many sun creams that kind of are that 
runny or that consistency mm, that yeah. texture. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a volatile formula to manufacture. So when you're manufacturing it, you need to, needs to be at really specific temperatures at certain periods of time. You can't rush it. It's really it's quite a slow process. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. is an expensive formula to make for that reason and also the ingredients we put in there. So um, we're kind of constantly learning as we go with, with that one. And I think we'll get there eventually. But, yeah, we did. It was a matter of kind of tweaking the formulation, which meant having to update the TGA, which is also another issue because then you have to change the hostel number on there. Oh, the time. On the packaging. The cost, so, all of that. Yeah, yeah. Like making any changes to a, an SPF is really hard and it's really can be really expensive and it takes a long time. Is that the hardest thing in your business? I mean, my, my theory is that every successful business has to have like a really hard thing that, you know, the hard thing that that is kind of the place where you create your competitive advantage yeah. because you've decided to do the hard thing that nobody else really do. wants to do or can be, yeah. you know, can be bothered doing. Yeah, I would say that's one of them. Um, and we did say when we launched, like there's going to be high barriers to entry of this market. So mm. we are going to be able to probably maintain the um, competitive edge for, you know, we might have two years on top. You know, it's not a, a coffee scrub that someone could tr- try yeah. and rip off, yeah. you know, straight away. Exactly. Like they're, they're, it is a little bit... It's a little bit harder, so we are going to have like a bit of a head start on people if this becomes a kind of category that starts mm. growing, which we all three of us know that it now is. Yes, and there are competitors in the market who are coming after our space. Um, so yeah, exactly what you said, Kate. Like it, it has been a bit of a competitive advantage because we we are then two years ahead of everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's kind of um, that's one of the hard things, and I think also kind of managing. Um, you know, in a small business, kind of managing stock levels and, and cash flow is also is a really tricky balance as well. For and sure. getting that right, it's a really delicate dance. And I think, you know, we've got an amazing CFO and Beck's really great at that side of the business as well. And, and together they've kind of, they run a pretty tight ship. Yeah. So we've kind of never had any major issues there, but we have come close and it, that stuff side is scary. Yeah, it's the other end of it because I think, yeah. you know, the last thing you want as a small brand building up momentum is to have it hamstrung by not being able to sustain it with just the very thing that's going to help you get more product, you know, you yeah. need more product at the end of the day. And you can't, you can't expand, like you can't grow significantly without that kind of product. So it, yeah. it's really like a chicken and egg kind of scenario because, you know, we're talking to retailers in Europe now and then, you know, we kind of need some sort of confirmation from them before we can start ordering the levels of stock that they would require. So it's kind of, you know, and, and we've kind of gotten ourselves into a situation this year in the UK, hasn't really affected Australia as much. We're pretty good there. But in terms of the forecast, like those first kind of couple of years in any new market is 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 quite um, hard because the forecasts aren't necessarily going to be right yes um and this happened with with um the uk and space nk and you know they had a you know sun's not a massive or hasn't been a massive category to them it sits you know in bath and body under tanning it's like that yeah. kind of it doesn't sit in skincare like it does here and so they kind of woefully undercooked the fo- forecast you know which was in line with our expectations we weren't sitting there going off oh, what the hell why is mm. it so small we were thinking it's a new market the Brits don't have the same kind of expertise in in sun and, and education level in sun. So this seems about right. And then we got there and they did that in like two weeks. They did our full year forecast in like two weeks. <laughs> um, 
Which is a high so, quality problem, right? Yes. Yeah, it's a great problem. But it's also, you know, when you've got momentum and you've got Carol and Hirons talking about how great your product is and you don't have any stock, like yeah. it's a bit of a... Still a problem. Really annoying. <laughs> Stressful. <laughs> Stressful. <laughs> yeah. Um, when, it, when it comes to your, you know, you're talking about competitive advantage two years ahead of everyone else or kind of predicting that there's going to be lots of other businesses that and brands that come in and, and try to, you know, really look at this opportunity and, and make the most of it as well. How do you keep going? What I know you've got lots of great things coming. How do you, is it just a roadmap that you've built for yourselves from the very beginning that you there's just longevity in it you know that it's sustainable you've you know that you've got a really great foundation for you know the right formulators the right kind of production team how yeah where where do you start and how do you keep it going um i think like we have a bit of a vision when we did that document i mentioned you know, we had a few products on there that we weren't able to afford to launch when we did launch the brand. Um, so there are a few things that we needed to tick off. We also tweaked formulations, but I think, I think we know as people who've been in product development for a while, you know, kind of what you would want as the product and what's missing there. And I think you also get feedback from customers, you know, and, and we listen to that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it's pretty consistent. Most of it, let's say, is pretty consistent with what we're already planning and, and what makes sense for a brand like ours. Uh, But then I think you kind of, you know, there's the basic products that are missing, like sprays, things to reapp, you know, users reapplication tints, those kinds of things. And I think there's like innovation as well, um, which is doing things that haven't necessarily been done before. And that's harder because no one's done them before. And it's harder from like product formulation point of view. It's harder to find the person to do them. It's harder harder to find packaging for it. It's harder to know whether it's like a viable like I think Beck and I both have quite good gut feel on what products and we've also launched enough products between us to know what's probably going to work and what's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the hard part for us is now like finding these amazing global chemists that can help kind of take these like wackier ideas that we've got um, and turn them into like something that's actually going to work. I think also like you need to invest in product development because at some point when there's maybe, you know, four sun brands that are kind of, like ours, um, well, not like ours, but you can see where, you <laughs> can see where the inspiration, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, are all doing like a hydrating sunscreen. That's just not going to cut it anymore. So you have to be bigger and better and, and kind of, I guess, expecting more of yourself. Um, so I think there are like a few basic kind of products that are missing. And then I think there's the innovation, which is where, you know, most of our money, NPD money, um, and I guess time should go, but somehow you kind of just want to get the, the first lot that are missing done first, and then you can focus on the bigger picture kind of innovation. So is there, uh, anything coming down the pipeline that's new and exciting that you can tell us about? Yes. So, I mean, Danny, you're involved in the testing (laughs) of our tints. I don't know when this is coming out, but. Very soon. Yeah. Uh, so the tints will be kind of early to mid November. And we've got 11 shades, so that's really exciting. Kate, you're going to love it. It's um, I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm just beyond pumped. Yeah. it's tinted sunscreen. Yeah, it's like pretty, you know, low to medium coverage, um, yeah. maybe about a six and a half, seven on the coverage scale. And we've done 11 shades and it feels really beautiful. Like it kind of is, has the consistency of queen screen, so it's quite runny. 
um, I guess silky and um, like leaves a really beautiful glow on the skin. So we're really excited, so excited <laughs> about that. Like it's I'm pumped. one of the things that I've I've done myself is consistently used multiple different versions of your products, like all all diff- all of them, your whole range. And so you've got this wardrobe, this skin screen wardrobe. Is the goal to, you know, as you continue to launch, you just, it, it's all that multi-use. Like it's about having different types in your handbag, in your car, at home, deciding you're going to use, like for me, it's like, okay, today is a clean screen day. Tomorrow is a lean screen day. So mm-hmm. you, yeah. Is mm-hmm. that the, mm-hmm. yeah. Are you, are you hoping yeah. for that? Yeah. yeah. And I think like, you know, you're not going to have, you don't have the same skin every day. You know, and and therefore your your needs change. Maybe it's mm-hmm. seasonally. Maybe you know if you've got if you have like kind of rosacea or eczema flare ups or something, you don't necessarily have them every day. Mm-hmm. So you might want something that's a little bit more calming and soothing for those days. You also might want something more hydrating in winter. You might want something more glowy on the days that you're wearing makeup or whatever. So. Yes, they, they can definitely be used interchangeably and there are some that are quite specific to certain skin types, but there are some people that kind of could wear anything on any given day. I would say I'm one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mostly re- I mostly use Queen because I like glowy skin, but the other day I was kind of like, I feel a bit rashy. I'm going to put I'm gonna put lean screen on because I just want mm-hmm. something like, like I was a bit itchy and irritated mm-hmm. and the dog had been in my face and I was just kind of like, I want something that's um, going to be a bit more kind of soothing mm. on my skin because it's a bit inflamed at the moment. So, yeah, it's definitely designed design for people to own more than one because, you know, we don't have the same skin needs every day. And, and when we launch Dream Screen as well with the tint, that'll kind of be another option to add into the wardrobe. Mm-hmm. You def- Although you do need to wear sunscreen under the, your tint because you're probably not wearing enough. Probably not putting enough on. That's yeah. always the problem, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's always, but we have, do you know, we actually have, and I haven't told this to anyone yet, um, but we actually had them tested together. So we actually did SPF testing, mm. like proper SPF testing. We did one where someone applied half the amount of Supreme screen, so like two and a half pumps, two, two and a half pumps, and then applied like an equivalent amount of dream screen, which I don't think is an unreasonable amount to apply. You probably would wear that much because, because it is runny and it's not super high coverage, so you could kind of double up in different areas. And the actual um, SPF number of, of the test, so we did one where they mixed the two together and then put it on as like, and then one where they layered it, so did the supreme screen and then did the dream screen. And the, S, the, the overall SPF number was actually higher on the layered one than Supreme Screen individually in its full dosage. Wow. So and, and the one the ones where they were mixed together was still it was on par with Supreme Screen. So even okay. using half and half, even though the SBF of Supreme Screen is much higher, those two layered together actually produced an overall a higher level of protection. Um, yeah, just an interesting test because we didn't want to necessarily. We thought if we can, if we've got the testing to prove that you don't need to wear the full amount yeah. of sunscreen underneath your tint, if you're wearing enough of both, then like I think people would be happy to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, and I think yeah. also you've got the with the tint, the reapplication is just that much easier. So that whole you know philosophy of more is more, like there's no barriers to that now. Just keep putting it on. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Um, one question I want to ask Ava is um, about ultraviolet social 
presence or social voice. Yeah. Who is the meme queen? Is that you? Because <laughs> no. the memes on your account absolutely kill me. Yeah. Uh, no, we have an amazing, I pretty much see every meme and approve every meme, but we have an amazing social girl. She's like a director of social media and she's incredible. I worked with her again previously and, um, yeah, she's got a very similar chaotic sense of humour to me. Very funny. Yeah. And the brand, yeah. I would yeah. say. Um, so it, it kind of just works. With she, the stuff that she comes up with, sometimes I'm like, where did this even come from? And sometimes I'm like, is this funny? I can't really tell. And she'll be like, yeah, I think, I think, I think it's funny. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's just whack it up and see if it's, if it's people like it. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, um, I would say Ash is the meme queen. I'm just the... It's a nice little balance you guys have got there. Good little team. Yeah, she's incredible and we work really well together. I mean, I probably, I probably speak to her more than I speak to my husband. <laughs> but um, Just the key relationships good, in your life, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, on that, before, before you started to amass a really awesome team behind you, which you, you mm. have and I've met some of, but before that there was obviously you and Beck, as you said, you started. With that social presence, like, is Violet you or did she start as you? Yeah. Is she her own person? Yeah. And how is yeah. she going to grow as Ultraviolet as, as the business grows, the brand grows? Yeah. So I think she started definitely close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, there's, like, definitely a shared level of chaos amongst <laughs> us both. It's not, not exactly me, but I would say definitely some very, um, a lot of shared characteristics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did start doing the socials. I did it for a year, I think, until Ash came. And and I think, you know, as new people come on board and take, you know, over different elements of the brand and the brand tone of voice, it, it, there, it, will, it, does, it will evolve. Um, it's kind of you can't, you can't, I, I've never seen any brand that's been able to maintain the same, you know, tone of voice and the same kind mm. of, I guess, characteristics. And I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think as long as she kind of shares the same values overall as our kind of the majority of our customer base and kind of shares the same, I, I guess, continues on with the same spirit and sense of fun. Mm-hmm. So I, I think like as long as Beck and I are kind of involved in any capacity, I can't imagine a point where it would veer too far off course. Yeah. Well, this has been such a great chat, Ava. Yeah, I've loved it. It's been Thanks, so nice. Guys. I learned. I've. I always learn so much in these conversations. I think we spend a lot of time um, focusing on the things that we need to work on together and get done. And like in the beginning, there's lot, there's a little bit more afforded to like having these sorts of chats. But I I love yeah. coming back and reconnecting and talking about the story because there's always so, like so many new things that I've learned which I love oh, I just think it's I just think it's been so fun to watch what you and Beck have been able to achieve mm. like since I, I remember sending I think it was um some Instagram post from Lee Campbell through to Danny like it was like when you first first mm. launched and sending this to Danny going I think we should have a look at this this is really cool yeah and and to see what you've done since then I think is just absolutely incredible you should be so proud 
thank you. That's really nice. I mean, I know, I, I know mean, you, you, you know, you have that thing where you don't actually yeah. stop, I'm but, not, but, I say, I'm not but you really should I'm just not, for I'm a little bit. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm <not> <laughs> I hate it when people say that to me too, but but you really should be. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's really nice to hear because it like it does mean stuff. It does mean something when you say that. Although like I can't fully absorb it. Absorb it. Not. It does. No. Yeah. It does mean something to hear you say that. Like it's very nice. Well, I guess we have to wrap up, but before we do, I'd love to share who we have on the cards for next week. She is the lovely Raquel Burris from Who Is Elijah, one of our best-selling fragrance brands on Adore. I'm personally really excited about this one and I can't wait to learn all about the world of perfume. So tune in for a listen next week and have a great week in the meantime. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 